We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Somebody's excited. Somebody's excited. I thought you were leading it off. That's okay. I'll take lead off. I'm usually the number two hole hitter, but that's okay. Hey, welcome everybody to the final postgame show of the 2022 season. And thank God it's going to be a good one because I don't know if I could have handled a negative postgame show. I'm just going to be honest. My mental state throughout that game was fairly fragile and especially the last five minutes or so of that game. So I am fired up that we get to talk about a Notre Dame win. And if you joined us in the pregame show, you know that when we were asked the question, what is a success for Notre Dame in this game? The answer was a Notre Dame victory. Yes, Notre Dame got that victory. Huge weight off their shoulders, beat an SEC team, all of that fun stuff. Well, obviously we're going to break down everything else because there's plenty to complain about, but there's plenty to be happy about as well. So Brian, I'm going to kick it over to you because I know that you've got some stuff that you want to say and you're not going to be with us for yeah. very long. I'm, I mean, I'm in the press box, so I can't be here long. I just I just had to jump in. And, and number one, I, obviously, the big thing for me is I just feel like some, ex, some demons were exercised tonight a little bit. You know, first of all, the Gator Bowl has not been a friendly bowl to Notre Dame in the last 30 years, right? Um, getting a, that big win was huge. But I just couldn't help but think of the parallel to last year's bowl game, you know, where Notre Dame jumps out to a big lead, 24 to 7, offense is cooking, looking great, defense is, you know, making stops, and they lose the game. And then you go to this week's, this year's game, and they're down 21 7. You throw a pick six, you're thinking, boy, they're rattled. They don't look ready. South Carolina was ready to play. They were playing harder. They were playing faster. Notre Dame was making the same old mistakes we've seen all year. And to see this team kind of come back and battle back in the second quarter, you know, and then, of course, you make some mistakes in the second half, but this team's resiliency was huge. Ryan, you talked about it before when we were talking about the resiliency, but I just, I'll let you guys dive into more of that, but I just couldn't. I think it's so poetic that the Marcus Freeman's first bowl victory as the full-time head coach so closely resembled last year's bowl game loss, but this time it was Notre Dame that did the fighting back and made the great second half adjustments on both sides of the ball Agreed. to come back and win. So I just I just had to say that because I just felt like um, you know this was and, and look there I'll, I'll let you guys talk about it. I'm gonna leave after this. This was a phenomenal, phenomenal game from Tommy Reese. 
And if it wasn't for one horrible call from him, this game's 52 to 31. I mean, they so thoroughly outplayed them in the final three quarters, it's not even funny. And, you know, that call right there, turned instead of it being 45-31, turns it into 38-38. But the offense came right back down the field and scored. And I think that said so much about this team. Um, This was one of the better team wins that I've seen in a long Mm -hmm. time in a game where all three phases made huge mistakes. And what I mean by that is they all battled back and overcame those mistakes to play much better football after those mistakes. The special teams, horrible, horrible mistake giving it up. But they almost blocked two kicks after that and played good control. We ran the fake. I mean, so every unit had their mistakes, but they bounced back and went and made plays. And, guys, for me, that's my biggest takeaway from this game was just you saw a team that wanted to win this game, that played hard against another opponent that wanted to win this football game and play hard. And uh, I just I just couldn't help but it's the parallel is so striking to me that up 24-7 and blow it last year, down 21-7 this year, and come back and just dominate the final three quarters. We saw what this team is capable of, even with all the mistakes, and to outgain South Carolina. What was the final yardage here, guys? I got it right here. They outgained South Carolina 558 to 352. Right. So if you're going to say this isn't – you know, if you're going to be critical of Tommy Reese, one play, sure – I uh, saw somebody that was like, why won't he run the ball to the running backs? Bro, the running backs had 205 yards tonight. Right. The running backs. You know, like, it's, it, let's enjoy this win because this was a heck of a win. A heck right. of a win by Notre Dame, in my opinion. All right, Hope Brian. Thanks for stopping by, my friend. Appreciate it very much. Hope you have a safe trip uh, enjoy, back everybody. home tomorrow. Enjoy Thank that you. weather while you Thanks got it. Thanks for letting it. me have my, my rant. Although, hey, Thanks, surprise for you, my friend. When you touch down in South Bend, there's no more snow. It's all gone. I saw that. My wife took a picture of my dogs today, and all the snow was gone. I was very just happy. Saying. I'm just saying. You leave town, snow goes away. That warmth back with me. There we exactly. go. Exactly. Right. Thanks, Jordan Brian. Tellus, nine Appreciate and four it. looks a lot better than eight and five. I'll tell you that's that right I'm now. Saying. That's all I'm saying. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, gentlemen. Well, again, a Notre Dame victory. Let's just start. I'll go around the horn. Start with your overall thoughts on the game. And obviously, we're going to dive into specifics as we go. And the Super Chats just keep rolling. Uh, So a general announcement to everybody. I'm starring all the Super Chats. We will get to all of them after we get done, you know, with our normal uh, talk about the game, et cetera. So, you know, make sure that you keep them coming. That's great. We'll get to them. uh, But we're not going to get to them right away unless they're on point with what we're talking about. But we'll get to everything. So, uh, Mr. Davis, your thoughts on the game, sir? What do you got, my friend? Yo, 
I'll say this. Uh, we get to view a lot of this as media. Um, there's a lot of really good stories that come from this game. You have if you, if you're not a person that your heart goes out to Tyler Buckner after this game, after what he's gone through and the yep. vitriol he's received, oh. not only throughout this season but the vitriol he received on social media during this game. Yes, and and right now in the chat, and Sean. If you're if your issue with this game is Tyler Buckner, you talk about someone that got knocked down and got up, knocked <laughs> right. down and got up constantly and responded to every challenge he had every reason to quit he mm -hmm. had every reason to put his head down in this game and the kid just kept coming back and making plays this is the type of win that gets the rest of this program to stand behind you as a quarterback i don't care how you dissect it he has the respect of every player in that locker room after this game i can guarantee that now, you can go and analyze the metrics and talk about the mistakes, all of that stuff. Tyler Butner was a G for this program tonight. Yep. He was a G for this program. When the defense wasn't making plays and getting stops, he made plays to get them back in the game. He made plays to get it to win their seven points. Mm -hmm. And mind you, how many games has he played this year? This was his third. Third right. game. Two, two, two and a two half, and technically. Yeah, two, two and three and quarters. Yeah. Two and a half. Cold turkey puts up 45 points. Oh, that's just easy to do on a football field, Ryan. You play football. That's, yep. that's, that's easy. easy to do against Power 5 competition in the SEC. That's easy to do. Yep. Posting pictures of other quarterbacks that aren't even officially part of the program. That's right. what we're doing. That's what we're doing, Sean. It's so much pessimism, man. Even in the chat, I'm looking at. I mean, I mean, just I think resiliency is the perfect word to talk about this game, though, right? If we're talking about from the Tyler Buckner perspective for a second, hey, man, you guys can, you guys can be as negative as you want because there were a few mistakes, and we'll talk about those there mistakes. Were. But my guy had five touchdowns today, man, and led led them to the victory after not playing for two and yeah. a half months, right? Three hundred thirty five like, yards, responsible for five touchdowns, like. Yep. Yes, three interceptions or whatever, two interceptions, whatever the case may I, I can't even remember now. The, look, he was responsible for five touchdowns, five and over 300 yards of total offense. Mm -hmm. For a guy who hasn't played in two and a half months or three months or whatever, I, I mean, I'll take it. I'm sorry. I'll take it. Like, what are we sitting in? Vince, what are we talking about, man? Right. What are we talking about, <laughs> right? Let's bring some context to this, right? Right. The pick, the last pick six, the first pick six, it's a tip ball. Right. It happens to every quarterback in college football. It's yep. happened to C.J. Stroud this year. It's happened to Bryce Young this year. It's a tip ball. Right. Mm -hmm. It goes on his record, though. Fine. You can have that. The other pick six, let me tell you something. It's the job of the coordinator that just watched number seven rumble yes. down inside the 10, and you're running the clock down. What are you doing? Right. Mm -hmm. On first down. That was first down. That defense is gassed. Yes. You did exactly what you wanted to do in a game plan. Wear them down. Yep. Why are you even putting him in that position? And then the, the, the play call, the motion, everything was terrible. It was just a bad if, – if you're going to spread them out, go 50-50 ball to one of your tall receivers on the outside. If you're going to do that. Right. Or either just run the ball. They can't stop you. 
they are not equipped to stop you physically at that point in the game. The game is over. It's a four. And and Spencer Rattler was awful. Oh. He wasn't about to lead them back. In the second half, he was bad, man. He was bad. In the awful. Half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I said it when they were down twenty-one to seven. I'm like, really? At this point, your biggest complaint is Tyler Buckner. At this right. point, <laughs> South Carolina has twenty-one points, and your biggest complaint. It's Tyler Buckner. Like, what are we talking about? I, I mean, can we can, can we applaud the whole team for a second, Sean? I mean, Absolutely. to your point, right? Because Tyler was resilient, made mistakes, still came back fighting. The team, I mean, Brian opened it, right? They were down 21 to 7. And honestly, it was at the end of the first quarter. I'm like, oh, man, this could get sideways in a hurry. This could look like Tennessee in a split second, right? Like, it could get bad. Right. They came fighting back. Was it 24-17 at halftime? And then you come in, in second half adjustments and – I feel like Notre Dame offensively and defensively really came out and had great game plans coming out of halftime because the defense wasn't incredibly sharp in the first half. So I think resiliency from the coaching staff with the halftime adjustments from the team down 21 to seven to come back and beat a team that guys, I mean, again, we're going to talk about some of the, we've talked about all week about South Carolina missing some guys. North Notre Dame was missing some guys too, though. And they had just beat Tennessee and Clemson back-to-back weeks. So if you get down 21 to 7 against a team that just beat Tennessee and Clemson back-to-back weeks, yep. their might heads might start dropping a little bit, right? Your your confidence might be shooking a little bit. But give them the, the respect they deserve. They came out in the second half, they played ball, they fought back in the second half to make it a close game at the halftime. Notre Dame, resiliency all all day, for my opinion. The players and the coaches, I really think that they fought hard for this victory. Absolutely. And we, we talked about it all week, right? What this win would mean for Notre Dame. And we can talk about that a, a bunch, right? I mean, this was, as Brian pointed out, it, it's a turn of the tables from last bowl game. You can't say it was bad coaching because they were down and they brought this team back, right? You can't say, and can we stop with the, the fact that, that Reese is a clown? Like, come on now. He had one bad play call. The rest, he called a pretty darn good game. Ryan, you and I were talking, or you, not you and I, it was in the group chat. I'll throw it out where it needs to be. But you were talking about the creativity of the run game for Tommy Reese and what he was able to do with calling the run game. I mean, the run game couldn't be stopped, to be Mm -hmm. honest with you. No, no, it couldn't. I mean, Vince, I mean, we saw some wrinkles tonight in the run game that we haven't seen all year. And honestly, I'm starting to wonder a little bit if Drew Pine's lack of running dynamic comparative to Tyler Buckner may be made that a necessity not to be as creative as possible. I mean, it's not a, it's not an excuse, right? But that is what it is. I mean, you saw quarterback counter there. You saw some, I think there was a buck sweep thrown in there at one point in this football game. You saw the inside zone. You saw outside zone. You saw the duo working inside. You saw power. You saw counter in this yep. football game. There was Chris Tyree had a nice little burst on off of a counter look. And there was a lot of different eye candy that was thrown in there. You know, you saw, just regular motion straight across the line of scrimmage. You saw some orbit motion kind of getting the eye candy working that way. You saw the fake bubbles. Like there was a lot of diversity in the run game tonight. And I think that Tyler Buckner unlocked a little bit of possibilities that you can have in the run game. So I think that for me, we and Brian and everybody actually on the group has been pounding every week, more diversity in the run game, more diversity in the run game. Well, you can't leave this game and say Tommy Reese wasn't incredibly incredibly creative in the run game. He was. Made a couple mistakes, just like players did, just like every coach did, right? But at the end of the day, 
he came out with an inc- a really good game plan, in my opinion, an excellent game plan, probably his best of the year, at least from a run game perspective. And he gave them a lot of different looks, and it kept South Carolina off balance all night. So right. just think about the diversity in the run game, I think was a big part of this game. Yeah, and and I, I also want to talk about, let's talk about the game plan a little bit, Ryan. That, that's a nice segue. Let's talk about the game plan, because clearly they were RPO heavy in this game, because that fit what Tyler Buckner does well, right? And he made a lot of really good decisions on that, right? There, Now, he was a little amped up at the beginning. He threw the ball a little hard. He wasn't getting a lot of help, though, either. There was a few drops there at the beginning. I mean, some of the completion percentage issues for him were some drops. I mean, let's be honest. Now, wasn't afraid to throw a 50-50 ball to Colsey. I li- I love that. Wasn't afraid to throw it down the field, obviously, to Lindsey. He finally got gets paid off for smoking guys in man-to-man like he's been doing all season. And he finally gets a ball thrown to him in a manner that which he can catch it and doesn't have to make a circus catch behind the back of the DB. So I thought that they put a lot on Tyler Buckner. This wasn't the Drew Pine game plan that they weren't counting on the quarterback to do well. I think that's the point that I'm making. They put a lot on Tyler Buckner in the RPO game and in the just a straight drop back game. And did he miss a few guys? Absolutely. But he also made some throws that don't get made by any other quarterback on this roster now or that was on this roster a month ago. He just does. Even the one that uh, he threw to Thomas, which obviously did not go for a first down. But, I mean, that was a heck of a throw as you're being yanked to the ground. It was on the money. Had another throw, I think, to Thomas on third down. I mean, I thought he played very, very well, and I thought the game plan by Tommy Reese put a lot on the shoulders of Tommy, of, of Tyler Buckner, and I thought he cashed those chips in. I, I thought he executed the game plan pretty darn well. Game plan. Look, I would push back a little bit because I don't think Tommy – exactly prepared for the pressure that we anticipated that South Carolina would bring early. That's nitpicking though. So I'm not going to nitpick. I think he could have done some things earlier. He got to the diversity in the run game probably a little bit later than I would have liked to see. But other than that, like, what are you going to, that was my complaint early in the game. Cause I felt like, okay, we're playing a little bit too passive on both sides of the ball. I felt like, okay, we're playing a little bit too passive. And I wanted them to be more aggressive, but I agree with you. Vince, you mentioned, look, I thought the ball he threw to Tobias when he got wrecked. I don't know if Tobias lost the ball. It It was was a a dime. dime. I don't know if he lost the ball in the light, so just didn't look for the ball. It was a dime. If he's running, he catches that in stride and possibly goes in for a touchdown. Look, this kid was getting hit early, often. And this is something people have to realize. Like, the other team has athletes, too. Like, mm-hmm. dude, like, people are complaining about the offensive line early. Like, there are some dudes on the other side of the line of scrimmage. They can play. You have to give an offensive line an opportunity to grab hold of the game. And that's what they were allowed to do. Once yeah. they got back to yeah. within seven and got some stops. Look, the energy for every team is different. The energy for this football team is the defense getting stops in the run game. That's the way it's been all year, right? Tyler Butler, like Ryan, you pointed out, he brought in and added to that energy mm-hmm. with, his, yep. with his ability to run. He added to the run game. That's the energy for this team. That's the way it's been all year. Once the defense started getting back-to-back stops, 
the offense picked up and then the running game picked up. That's just the synergy of this team, right? And you have to get – that's what we were waiting for to happen against USC, the other USC. You were waiting for them to get a stop and allow the offense to get back into the game so the offensive line could take over. It's absolutely the same thing Utah did in the Pac-12. It's the same thing Utah did in the Pac-12 championship game. Hot quarterback early. And really, Brian, what was Spencer Rattler doing early? Quick screen, quick screen, yeah. quick screen. He, it wasn't like he was dissecting the defense, right? The, um, the pass across the field was just his arm strength, right? Yep. Play action, roll out a little bit, throw back across the field against the cover two. It looked like it was a cover two. It was mm-hmm. a darn good throw, darn good toe tap, tip your cap, right? Could you say, man, Clarence, you need to be further back? Since you're not being threatened, yeah, you can say that. But it happens. You know, you tip your cap to the kid. But other than that, I love the games they ran in the second half up front. Mm-hmm. They contained the rush a little bit more. It was a little bit more disciplined. And then they were able to get some hits on them, make them erratic. And like Ryan said, they had at least four to five opportunities for interceptions in the second half. Right? Absolutely. Which just goes to we've only had, what, three – multi turnover games right i think something like that so that just wasn't our forte but the opportunities were there yeah right yeah and then and you you still had two turnovers in this football game with the fumble and the interception too so but then the response when benjamin morrison went down and they scored that touchdown on his position right after that i think everybody was like oh boy this is going to be tough here on Mm -hmm. out they locked in yeah they did they locked in as a group they locked in as a team. Look, this is – you might not have wanted it to go this way, but it's very emblematic of the season. Mm-hmm. You might not have yeah. wanted the season to go this way, but there are a lot of good things that have come out of this season that you can point to going into the offseason in the spring. Only they know and only they can prove what it's going to mean next fall. But if you're unhappy right now as a Notre Dame fan, come on, man. You got, right. a, you got, a, you got a bad outlook on life. I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> like, if you're bitter in the chat right now, I don't right. know what's wrong with you. Right. I just don't. I Cause don't. Because you're also going to be bitter for the next eight months. Absolutely. Like, you're, you're planting your bitterness seed for the next eight months. Like, come on, guys. So, hey, we got a couple big super chats I do want to throw in here real quick, Sean. Uh, Edwin. Right along the lines of what you're talking about, Sean. Edwin says, we won. Can't we be happy for the boost for the program after this? My once-a-month chat, IB Nation. Edwin, thank you very much for the super chat. You could not be more right, my friend. Can't we just be happy that they got the victory? I know I'm happy. I mean, I don't care what happens the rest of the way as far as any other bowl games. I really don't. I don't care. Well, I do care. I don't want Michigan to win the national championship. But other than that, this is great. Can't we just be happy, people? We it's okay to be excited. Oh, it's okay yeah. to be excited. Yes, that's it. it's okay. And it's okay to be excited with only nine wins. Like, that's yeah. okay, too. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's okay, people. Kay Grant with another huge super chat. He just says, what a game. And I can't I can't disagree. I can't agree with that more. It had me at the edge of my seat. Yes, Notre Dame should have won by more, but man, for the entertainment value purpose of it, Notre Dame also came out with the victory. I'm a happy camper. So thank you, Kay Grant. Appreciate that super chat very, very much. And to all the betters out there, they covered. 
Oh, baby. <laughs> Me. This guy. Right here. <laughs> oh, dude. I, I needed Audric Estime to get 65 yards. He was on 50, and then he hits that one play before the interception. I'm like, yes, let's go. <laughs> oh, it was fantastic. That was the best part of the night. Uh, but anyway, so defensive game plan. Let's talk about that a little bit. Offensive game plan we kind of dove into. We're going big picture here. Let's talk defensive game plan. Ryan, I'll let you kick this one off. Your thoughts on the defense. Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was frustrating in the first half, man. I mean, especially that first drive. You know, McDowell broke that nice little gain. I think it was like a 13-yarder. Spencer Rattler came out firing, and I'll give Spencer Rattler all the credit in the world, right? First half, I thought he was pretty good. You know, he made some nice throws. There were, I mean, the throw to Leggett in the in the touchdown. I mean, that was an incredible catch, but it was also a darn good throw, man. Like that was a really nice ball, right? So I think you saw the best of Spencer Rattler early on in the game. And I think that there was just a little bit of, again, like I just feel like there were some breakdowns during the first half of just some confusion, man. Like there was a couple times I messaged you guys in the chat where I'm just like, I don't know what coverage that was. Like, I feel like there's some confusion on what coverage we're rolling to, what the adjustment is off of the coverage, but defensive game plan wise, I didn't love it in the first half. You know, but the second half, I felt like Al Golden and the staff got things going in the right direction. I think Brian said in our chat, or maybe before we started, that you know, d- like did do you know, do we think that they got a little more simplistic in the second half? And I think it's po- very possible. I need to go back and watch the film to be a hundred percent certain. But it felt like in the second half, you just let your guys play ball, man. It looked like they were running to the football more consistently. They weren't shooting themselves in the foot. They were making solid plays in the second half. So I think the adjustments from first half to second half were really good. I just, again, think there was just a lot of confusion early on in the first half. Like I just felt like they were just pressing too hard for whatever reason, but ultimately Riley Mills made a big play down the course of the game. Jordan Vitello made a nice couple nice plays in the game. Benjamin Morrison had another interception during this football game. Xavier Watts had a couple of nice flash plays, including a pass breakup near the end zone. There were some young guys that are trying to now finalize their role and assert themselves on what 2023 will look like. I feel like took a huge step forward, you know, and even without Isaiah Foskey, I felt like you still had pretty consistent pressure. I feel like when they got to Rattler, they rattled him a ton. Again, no pun intended, but I think that the main, main takeaway for me is there was confusion early in the first half. Second half, I thought that there were really tremendous adjustments by the sure. defensive coaching staff. You know, it was inter- the first half was interesting to me for for numerous reasons. Um, I do I do want to address something really quick, and I know it's completely off topic. Somebody said, you know, he's happy about the win, but would Nick Saban be happy with this win? Um, I don't know if anybody remembers Nick Saban's first year at Alabama. They're seven and six. They're seven and six. I bet you he would have been happy with nine and four. So I'm just going to throw that out there. And, and they lost they lost to Louisiana Monroe, who right. is a worse football team than what Marshall right. is. So, just putting that out there. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. But as far as the defense is concerned, obviously they settled in as the game went on. I thought they started playing well. <clears throat> the, the way that South Carolina was scoring, I texted a buddy of mine. I was like, they scored on a fake punt. They scored obviously on offense. And they scored on a pick six to start the game, right? That's how they got 21 points. And their offense was very gimmicky to start off the game. A lot of reverses, trying to reverse passes. They're bringing in another quarterback. I mean, they're doing a lot of gimmicky things. And I realize their roster was tested because of the defections and all of that. I get all of that. And I have no problem with Beamer doing that. I have no problem doing that. But 
when you're looking at it from a defensive standpoint and you've got all of this craziness being thrown at you, they finally settled down once it was just the offense versus the defense. It wasn't all this crazy crap being thrown at their face. Okay. And look, I would have loved for them to stop the fake punt. You know, I would have loved for them to, you know, not have thrown a pick six and all of that. But when it actually came time for the offense versus the defense, the defense played just fine. They played well. Yes, there were some mistakes. No question about it. But it it was the gimmicky stuff that got them. And that will get you points up front, but it's not going to sustain you for the whole game. You can't be gimmicky the whole game. We've been around football our whole lives, guys. You can't be running reverses and all that crazy. Because after they got success with some of that reverse stuff, they don't even shut it down. Like they had a cup, they had tackles for loss on these reverses and these this crazy crap that they were trying to do. So, yes, was I frustrated that they were giving that stuff up? No doubt about it. But that's not sustainable. And Notre Dame ended up settling down and playing good defense. And so for that, I am happy. Vince, that was a great point by you earlier, and I think I think we need to kind of like talk a little bit more about that because you you just brought it up slightly. There is that. I, let's. I, I'm going to give South Carolina coaching staff some credit here for Absolutely. a second, right? That first half, especially, they were aggressive. They were yeah. t- going in their bag, man. It's all about the fake field goal. You talk about the, you know, the reverses, the different looks that they put. I mean, they were an aggressive football team in the first half, and it would, you know, sometimes you just have to give a team credit, right? Like the coaching staff did a nice job there, but yeah. I think you make a great point, Vince. The fact that most of the success was coming off of that, you know, we'll call it gimmicky stuff, right? A little bit. It's not super sustainable. And I think that's the difference in the second half was that once those tricks are out of the bag, right. it comes back to Notre Dame's just more talented than South Carolina, right? Like at the end of the exactly. day, like that's that's where it comes back to. So I think that I just want to applaud you as I always do, because I think it was a great point, sir. Great point. I, I appreciate that. And that's, you know trick plays can be the difference in like a one possession game, which I obviously this ended up being, but it shouldn't have been that way. Like the two pick sixes obviously skewed the score and and all of that. And look, they they deserve those points. I mean, I'm not taking the points away, but it's the difference in like a one score game, a very even game. That game was not even in the second half by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, you look at the stat line in the second half and I'm going to try to bring this up as quickly as possible. Um, but you talk, here we go. Quarter and half cumes. All right. So the second half, Notre Dame wins 28, 14, 355 total yards to 100. Okay. They had 210 yards on the ground, 10 or 15 for South Carolina, 145 through the air, 85 for South Carolina. Any way you look at it, Notre Dame wins the second half and it's not close. The only thing close was the final score. You know what I mean? And so That's what you have to look at in this game. Now, we could say the same thing if Notre Dame would have ended up losing that game. Let's say South Carolina goes down and scores on that last drive, goes for two, Notre Dame loses by a point. That would have been devastating. And Notre Dame still would have outplayed them in the second half. But offensively, defensively, man, they came to play in the second half. And as much as we wanted to rag on Marcus Freeman in the Fiesta Bowl or whatever, you've got to give him and his staff credit in the second half of this game. I love what they did defensively. Right, Ryan, to go to what you said early, they just had problems lining up. Like, whatever South Carolina was doing, like, if it was something different than what they showed on film for the majority of the season, Notre Dame was struggling, adjusting to it, adjusting to the motions, getting out leveraged on the outside with the quick screens, 
then they wouldn't make the tackles when they were in position, get out, out give up outside leverage on the block and allow yeah. the guy to get outside with the inside guy coming. Like they just didn't play well, right? And Vince, like you said, finally they started to play well. They just started to play well and they settled in, right? Yes. Tyler yes. Butner had to settle in. The defense had to settle in. And once Notre Dame settled in, it was easy to see who the better football team was. It really wasn't even close. Yeah. It was like Shane, Be- was, was Shane Beamer knew exactly what he had to do. Oh, yeah. To give his team a chance to win this game. And man, shout out to him. Yeah. For, for what he pulled off in the first half because he did exactly what was the best <laughs> thing for them. I have to get my team out in front. Yep. I have to force Notre Dame to play from behind. I have to because if I just allow them to be able to run the ball and be methodical, I have to fo- I have to force Tyler Buckner to make some plays. And guess what? Tyler Buckner made some plays in the air. He just made plays through the air. And once it got even, it was a wrap. Yeah. yeah. It really was a wrap. And the only thing – if Benjamin Morrison is in that game, he probably doesn't give up that – they're probably not even in that coverage. They probably don't give up that right. touchdown. Maybe they get a field goal. Maybe they punt. It doesn't make a difference. The pick six should have been a 14-point game. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No doubt. But because Notre Dame was so much better, it didn't matter. Right. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter. Yep. Like Notre Dame was a – man, was an avalanche – Picking up steam, and dude, there was nothing really South Carolina could do to come up with the victory other than Notre Dame basically handed. If Notre Dame had handed them the game, that was the only way they were going to win this game. Yes. By the time Notre Dame got rolled on both yeah. sides of the ball, even even the pick six that they threw that you know they had at the end of the game that tied it up, right? Mm-hmm. The only reason I was super upset, obviously, I wanted them to score, put the game away. The only reason I was upset is I thought they might not cover. Like, I was never worried that they weren't <laughs> going to win the game. There was plenty of time left. And all they did was get the ball back and just run it right down their throat. Right down because the field. South Carolina was gassed. They were done. That's what made you more mad, right? Yes. You get the you get the ball right back. Oh, now you just want to run the ball? Now you're going to run the ball? Now you're just going to run the ball? Right, right. <laughs> if you just done that, we wouldn't be in this position. But – you're absolutely it, right. South Carolina was done for. Yeah, I think they were they were done for like the middle to the end of the third quarter. Right. Like, go ahead, Sean. I was just gonna say, man, the the team, the best opponent Notre Dame had tonight was themselves. Like mm-hmm. they just, mm-hmm. it was, it was the game was close because there were turnovers and because there were brain farts in the first half a ton. <laughs> right. Like that's what happens. I mean, even that last one, like you said. It was weird because it was a too high alignment on that last touchdown catch for South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And it was Xavier Watts was on the short end of the field. He rotated to the middle of the field, right? Okay, yeah. So right. I'm like, okay, that's cover three. That looks like cover three to me. But right. the corner at the bottom, I think it was Clarence Lewis. I can't remember correct. I think it was Clarence. Mm-hmm. He did. He just kind of vac- He just let the guy go out of his right. zone. So I'm like, okay, he thinks it's cover two. Right. Somebody else thinks it's cover three. That's what I. But but even if it was, let's say there was a mis- misunderstanding, I still don't understand what Clarence was doing because even if it is cover two, there was no flat threat. So you still need to carry that guy vertically, right? Absolutely. Like I just, right. I didn't understand the whole what, right? It, there was just some miscommunication. There was. Obviously, the pick sixes and turnovers, like those things all happened, right? That was Notre Dame's biggest opponent tonight. I don't think South Carolina, I mean, be honest, 
And I know people are going to say, oh, they, they had a bunch of players. Out. Notre Dame had two of the best players at In their the positions country. ever. Yeah. Ever. Michael Mayer is – you could argue Michael Mayer is the greatest tight end to ever play at Notre Dame at the – maybe the best producer of tight end talent ever. Right. Isaiah Foskey, if people didn't miss this, had the most sacks in Notre Dame history. Pretty good football players didn't play in this football game, yeah. right? And Jason Adamalola is a pretty darn good defensive lineman, too. Absolutely. Yes. That's yes. a big that was a big loss. Like that one yep. actually worried me almost more than Isaiah because I had already come to grips with the fact that Isaiah wasn't there and you can kind of make things happen when one guy is missing. But mm-hmm. you're missing two guys on that defensive line? Yeah. Oh man, I was worried. Cam Hart too. Cam Hart was someone yeah. they popped in there. Jason right. Adamolola. Right. Technically, mm-hmm. you you lost your quarterback that started for whatever how many games, yeah, right? I mean, games. I, so th- there was – look, there was losses on both sides of the coin here is my point. My my biggest point, though, is that the only reason this game ended up being close was because of mental mistakes and bad turnovers for Notre Dame. But at the end of the day, I think you saw, again, not only a victory, which is great. We all want to win, right? You saw the glimpses of what this team can be, right? You saw it. There is dynamic talent on this roster. There is great players through littered throughout. Does it need to get better? Absolutely. Is this offseason going to be huge for this program? No question. But they won a football game that looked like was going to get away from them early in this game. They showed the resiliency, they showed the talent, and they won the football game. So let's go into this offseason now, feeling pretty solid about ourselves. Let's get to work, construct the roster the way we want it. Let's get back to work, man. That's all you can do from here. Like, let's be happy tonight. All right, so we're doing big picture talk. Let's. I'm going to bring up a super chat here because it talks about the. I don't want to say it's the elephant in the room, but frankly, it was the side of the ball that I was most excited about going into this thing, and that's special teams, baby. Edward gives us the super chat. Thank you, Edward. Appreciate it very much. Says special teams today. Pete Lembo punches Brian Mason in the face. Brian Mason cracking his neck and smiling. Is that all you got? Like, I mean, I said, you're not I said wrong. That- I said that in the chat, man. One of, my, one of the things I said in the chat was you know, Pete Lembo had a great call on the fake field goal, right? Yeah. But then, man, that fake punt by Brian Mason in the second half, that was a huge momentum boost. And, I mean, honestly, I, I texted in the chat. I mean, it's not inappropriate. So I'll just say, you know, Brian Mason <laughs> said, P, you know, Pete Lembo, hold my beer, dude. Like, what do you got for me? You have nothing for me. Like, that's right. Incredible, incredible call. It really was. And there was an incredible call throughout the night, but I think you saw two of the best special teams coordinators in college football kind of go back and forth tonight, and each one of them had a little bit of a knockout blow, which was fantastic to see. Absolutely. And I I was so excited to see that fake punt, obviously, but just the presence of Notre Dame's punt block forced them to have two delay of games when they're already in massive negative territory. Wasn't that weird? Yes. I've never seen that before. No. For such a good special teams unit, number one special teams unit in the country, two delay of games. One was uh, they were on the minus 20, and I believe one they were on the minus uh, 25 that put them on the 20. 20. Like, what is happening? I But that is what a dynamic punt block can do because they're busy trying to scan the field, figure out what Notre Dame is going to do, and then they get a delay of game. And it puts him even further back. Like, I mean, that was that was impressive. And I get that. And, and Brian's jumping in the chat. I love it. He says that's because Notre Dame almost blocked two kicks prior to that. Hundred percent. That's exactly why they're trying to figure out. Okay, 
what the heck is Notre Dame going to do here to come get this kick? Yes. And, and they had no, I mean, they obviously got him off, but they didn't get those two off. And that's five yards in Notre Dame's favor, put him in great field position. And look, we might as well extend that, right? You can say what you want. You can say, well, I really didn't mean anything. The way the things were going, the field goal by Blake Groupie meant something. Like, that was huge. Good call. Like, if he, if he misses that, the game could go off the rails. Good right? call. You make the field goal. John Sott, great. Kickoffs, great all game. Like, special teams as a whole, other than giving up that touchdown, did a really good job. Fellas, Notre Dame. I would say played a C plus to B minus game as a team and won. Yeah. I don't know if they could have done that early in the year. I agree. I don't know if they could have played a C plus to B minus game just in totality, right? Because we can Mm -hmm. talk about when they took over. Hey, that was an A effort. Like once they started dominating, A effort. But you can't dismiss some of the things early, the lack of preparation for certain things. The special team, so certain things, you, you, I mean, you just can't dismiss that. If you even want to say just a flat B, they did not play the way they expected to play, and they won. And it goes to what Ryan said. We can get rid of this narrative that Notre Dame isn't a talented program. Stop. Stop. That's an SEC team, right? Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's, a, that's an so SEC team, man. right? Right? That all the prognosticators. All the prognosticators was like, I'm, I'm picking South Carolina. They beat Clemson. Notre Dame kind of whipped Clemson, too. Yeah. I would say whipped them worse. Oh, yeah. Physically. Well, so, Sean, Sean, think about the explosive plays, just to strengthen your point here for a second, right? Yeah. I mean, Logan Diggs is not is what, maybe the third fastest running back on Notre Dame's team, and he left them in the dust on that little yes, that little. That little slide pass, right? And then Brayden Lindsey just runs past this def- past the defense for a big gain as well. The Notre Dame moniker that they don't have speed, it's lazy, it's dumb, it's it really not is. true. Let's move past it. It point. really is. And that's and it's it's a national talking head thing, right? I mean, that 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 goes about the whole Notre Dame has no speed thing. Like it's it's ridiculous. I'm sorry, it's ridiculous. Do your homework, please. Do your homework. And I I it's funny. Brian might as well just hop in the show at this point. He's he's just just killing it with great points here. He says Reese did a great job getting the ball outside in this game. Did a great job attacking the width of the field. Could not agree more. And again, if you joined us in the pregame Look, man, show, I, we were- I can't I can't be in the ch- show because I'm in the press box. But <laughs> just you called me out, okay? So I, I'm out here. But look, what? But that's the thing, though, is like. First half, South Carolina just focused on shutting down the run. Just we're not going to let them run. We're not going to let them run. We're not going to run. They did a great job. But that's what opened up the quarterback counter outside. It's what opened yep. up the bootlegs outside. They did all that, and then South Carolina has to adjust. And what does that do? And all of a sudden, that's when the inside run game starts hammering them, hammering them, hammering them. That's why it's so important to be able to attack the width of the field, which they didn't do during the regular season because they could. They were limited to right. quarterback. When you have a quarterback that with his legs and his arm can get the ball outside. And I mean, some of those sorts, he's like dropping down to like sidearm to get it outside. Like those plays aren't being made before. And I don't take a shot at Drew, but that's the thing is when you have a quarterback that can get the ball outside, it, it, it yeah, they can shut down your run game for two quarters like everybody else did, but you could stop it for four quarters because you have to give up something. And that was the difference in this game. Yep. Completely agree with that. Bye. <laughs> that's great. 
So, but no, completely agree with that. But I, you know, the special teams, just to, to wrap up our special teams talk there, as far as the big picture was concerned, I was real happy with the way the special teams played. I anticipated it was going to be a slugfest when it came to special teams. And it was, I mean, both teams trading blows, but I think at the end of the day, and somebody mentioned it in the chat as well, there were two blindside uh, blocks on special teams. That's massive for field position purposes because that kickoff for Notre Dame was right down the middle and they had a great return and it ends up putting them back at the 12-yard line to start a potential game-winning drive and they, they, and they had no answer. I mean, they just couldn't do it. And special teams, I think I give the check mark. Now, yes, special teams for South Carolina scored points. But overall, I give the check mark to Notre Dame. I think they won the special teams battle at the end of the day. You were also playing against, not arguably, I mean, in my opinion, the best special teams in the country this year. South Carolina was fantastic, man. Their kicker, I don't think, missed the field goal all year, had a 53-yarder. Their punter averaged almost 47 yards of punts. Their kick returner was averaging 30 yards per kickoff return. Their punt nice. return game was really good. Like they, They're really good special teams, man. And we shouldn't have been surprised that they made a couple nice plays. You know, They right. did the fake field goal, which was a great call and a good throw by, by Kai Kroger, right? But at the end of the day, Notre Dame has a really dang good special teams as well. So they fought back and they made a couple plays as well. So I, I think that, you know, it's it's no shame to give up a couple plays to South Carolina special teams because they do it to every single team. But the fact is, again, that the coaching staff, Brian Mason, fought back, right? The players fought back. That Again, that goes back to the resiliency conversation. Brian, you make a great point. And I can just point this out. You know, Brian mentioned, like, you know, exercising some demons from the Fiesta Bowl last year, right? Like, we can be honest. Like, everybody wants to jump on the coaching staff. Jack Cone had opportunities to make plays. Yeah. Right? He had opportunities to make plays. Uh, Logan Diggs is one-on-one with the linebacker. He just can't make a miss on the screen or else he's going for a touchdown, right? Lorenzo Styles Jr. on the post route. Jack Cone just barely overthrows him. That's another touchdown. Like, Notre Dame had opportunities to win that game against the Fiesta Bowl. The yeah. players didn't make plays. Defensively, 50-50 balls. Clarence Lewis is just giving up 50-50 balls all second half. It's like the players didn't make plays. They didn't make tackles. Third and 13, Spencer Sanders coming out the backside, picking up first downs. There were opportunities to make plays in that game. This is a player's win. As much as you want to talk about adjustments, the players went out there and made the requisite plays to solidify whatever was being called. Because you can call the greatest call in the world. If they don't go out there and do it, it's not going to get done. The resiliency, the, the belief, and whatever the coaches were saying, and the execution, that's what you saw. And for me, that's what stands out for this program moving forward. A belief in what Marcus Freeman and his coaching staff are building as a foundation, which honestly... At the beginning of the season, I don't think there was a full buy-in. And I think a lot of people within the program would be honest about that. What you saw today was what you can get when there's full buy-in. When there's full buy-in, you don't have to play your best game to win. Just be resilient, execute, and keep plugging away. Because there's a belief that you're the better team. Notre Dame played like they knew they were the better team. They were down 14, and they were like, oh, okay. Okay. Right. Yeah, all right. Y'all, y'all doing the little – that's cute. 
Like, that's real cute. Trick play, that's real cute. But reverses, that's real cute. Y'all scared to just man up? You just scared to man up in the middle of the ring and fight us? Okay. Like, when you get done with that, eventually you're going to have to come back to the middle of this ring. And it's going to be mano a mano. And once South Carolina had to do that, Vince, you saw what happened. You saw what happened. Yeah. No, that's a great point because I'm, you know, and I'm sure it's the same thing for you. I'm fielding texts from everybody. Oh, the game's over. Mm-hmm. This team stinks. Yes. I'm like, there are still three quarters left to play. Mm-hmm. Everybody just take a breath. And I literally typed this out to some friends of mine. I was like, take a breath, guys. There's plenty of time. Notre Dame will be just fine. Relax. Now, part of that was telling myself to relax too. <laughs> I mean, I'll be perfectly honest with you. But at the same time, it didn't feel like the game was getting away from Notre Dame. I'll go back to the the talk I was having about the uh, the gimmicky stuff. Like it just didn't feel like South Carolina was beating Notre Dame at the game of football. They were beating them at the recess game, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and they were. And again, total credit to South Carolina and Coach Beamer for coming up with a game plan that got them points and got them in the lead and all of that. I. I'm actually a huge fan of Shane Beamer and what he is doing. I really am. I, oh, I you know, I think, they I, I think they're going to do good things. I think they jumped in the teams from a recruiting standpoint for the first time okay. in a long time. Like okay. he's he's doing a great job. He got the number one player in South Carolina. He he's doing you know because the number one player in South Carolina went to Notre Dame last year. Uh huh. Sure. So you know he he got that guy this year. You're absolutely right. His energy. This is another thing, Vince. All yeah. year we heard about, man, I need Marcus Freeman to be more excitable on the sidelines. I need him to show, show some enthusiasm. You saw the benefit of his stoic nature today, his mm-hmm. calmness in the midst mm-hmm. of everything going on. His team reflected that. Like when everything was going haywire early on, they remained even keel. Just play. That's all. Just play. Keep playing. Plenty mm-hmm. of time. Eventually, like I said, eventually they can dance around this ring for the first three or four rounds. Eventually, yeah, when they slow down, I'm gonna catch them in the corners. And Notre Dame caught them in the corners for the second <laughs> half of the fight and just went straight to the body. And they really could have knocked them out in the eleventh. They handed the ball off, up seven points, but it went the distance. No complaints here. You still got the victory, but this is. A great way to go into the offseason. A great, great way to Absolutely. go into the offseason. Absolutely. And we, you know that if you stay locked into Irish Breakdown, mm-hmm. we're going to talk all about all of that moving forward after today. Obviously, we're focusing on this game today, but we're going we're gonna to talk about spring and, and what, what this means to Notre Dame. And there's going to be a bunch of breaking news and all that stuff. So everybody needs to make sure that they stay locked into Irish Breakdown. And uh, I'm going to give you guys one opportunity to say your piece about this game and then we're going to move into the super chats and we're going to kind of do a little mailbag action so uh ryan i will let you go first if there's anything we haven't mentioned that you want to jump into i have a feeling we're gonna have plenty of opportunity during the super chats uh but what say you my friend yeah i mean i I think that one big thing that i took away from this football game outside of just the resiliency that we keep talking about and you know just kind of the camaraderie and a good end to the season i mentioned this a little bit earlier is that you see kind of your young core, I think, tonight kind of show their show their head to be the guys next year, right? The the core that is going to be a part of what's going to hopefully ascend 
Notre Dame back to where you want to be. You know, you saw the Audra Gastemays, the Logan Diggs have great games, right? You saw Tyler Buckner have spurts, and, you know, he'll be obviously be in a quarterback battle this offseason to see if he's the guy long-term. You saw Mitchell Evans do a good job. You saw your offensive linemen that are coming back, the Blake Fishers of the world, who had a couple really nice blocks. You saw Jordan Patello on defense yeah. make a couple really nice plays. You saw Riley Mills make a good play. You saw Benjamin Morrison have an interception. I think for me, outside of just ending the season off right, you also start to see – who that quarter is going to be next year, right? Because you lost Michael Mayer. You lost Isaiah Foskey. Those were the dudes going into the season. Who are the dudes next year coming into this offseason? Who are the dudes that you can depend on? I think you found a lot of them this Mm -hmm. this game on both sides of the football that now you can start to build on heading into the offseason. But at the core of it, you saw a lot of young guys step up, a lot of great momentum now building, and you ended the year off the way – you always needed to be, right? I always go back to the money ball quote, right, Vince, where Billy Bean says, you know, if you if you lose the last game of the year, nobody gives a blank a bleep, right? Like no <laughs> right. one cares. And right. they won the last game of the year. And it's a good start. Let's now build going into the offseason. It's a fantastic culture win. That's mm-hmm. what sticks out for me. This is a fantastic culture win. You know, game football games play out like theater, right? You just never know on a given night. You know, what the show was yesterday, you come watch the same show tomorrow and it can be a totally different show with the exact same script. Like, you just never know. Like, the script is the same for all football games. 60 minutes, two teams. That's the script, right? And you just never know how it's going to play out. This was uh, an up and down Mm -hmm. drama. Very Mm -hmm. dramatic, right? And at times you thought it was going to end up being a tragedy. But at the end, it ends up being, you know, the, the two the ND fans and, and the, the football program come together to enjoy this wonderful ending, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, very emblematic of what Tyler Buckner uh, did. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, man. He He's the story tonight. I agree. He, and he deserved I, the MVP. He, he deserved Tyler, it. Tyler Buckner's the story tonight, man. Like, look, like I said, you can nitpick tomorrow. Wake up tomorrow and nitpick all you want to, man. Throw the roses at the feet of that young man tonight. He is the representative. Man, you're being disrespectful mentioning another quarterback tonight. Give it 24 hours. If you can't wait 24 hours to mention another quarterback, then you're disrespecting the football program. Give that man his flowers. Mistakes and all, give him his flowers. Because what he did tonight on so many levels was emblematic of what is supposed to be celebrated about this football football program for this season and for this game. Flat out. They deserve that. They deserve that. So please stay away from disrespecting what we were able to watch today by mentioning someone else that's not even on the roster. Give that man what he deserves tonight. He's the MVP of the Gator Bowl. 2022 Gator Bowl MVP. Period. After playing two games. (laughs) I mean, you got to give credit where credit is due, man. Like, I, I, I'm with you 100%. And here's what I know. Regardless of whoever's coming in, it is going to be a battle for that QB position going into next year. And whoever wins it, whoever wins it, Tyler Buckner, new guy, Steve Angeli, whatever, they're going to be a dude. They're going to be a dude. And they have the ability to take this team where they need to go. So I'll, I'll say it and I'll get all the flack for it. And that's fine. So 
Johnny S with the awesome reminder. Thank you, Johnny. Make sure you hit the like button. Make sure you subscribe. Hit that little bell so you know when we're going to come on because you know post game shows we're gonna have we're gonna have a multitude of shows moving forward so you can't forget about that so hit that like button really appreciate that guys share it with your family and friends if you're listening uh on the podcast version make sure you give us a five-star review and uh, we would all really appreciate that Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.